you, everyone. Well, it's good to be home. And um, I was thinking about the things that the Lord um, has afforded us since, uh, well, this whole year has been amazing, hasn't it been? And, um, you know, I was thinking in September we had our seminar and what a, what a wonderful blessing that was. And then immediately going into Brazil and seeing all the things that God did there and then going to Versailles and seeing the, the great things that God was doing there. And then uh, two weeks ago, or I guess last week, uh, being in Belgium and seeing the way that the churches and the prayer groups are coming just absolutely on board uh, as saints and praying and seeking God. Uh, it's, it's, been, um, it's been a whirlwind of activity and a whirlwind of opportunity, but that's, that's you. That, that's you. That's all of you. Because this is our mission before the Father. And um, all of these people that God is stirring up are your family, the family of saints, the, the holy nation. And I'm so grateful that, that as, the, as this next year and as the years go by, as you meet these people, you're going to feel as if you've known them forever, just like you've felt with, our, with the Saints Network family that we've, uh, we've enjoyed in these past years. And, so, and it's because of the common, the common um, calling of our Heavenly Father. And we are really... Uh, being privileged to fulfill the last words of Jesus before he ascended into heaven. We are, we are going into all, these, all the world, making dis teaching nations and making disciples. And that's, that's quite a, an amazing gift that God has given us, and I'm so thankful for it. And I look forward into this new year, and as I, I've been... Uh, talking on the phone with various pastors and on the WhatsApp with the, with, the, uh, with the foreign folks because it's easier to connect. It, figure this out. You know, if you, if you were to call over there on the phone, it would cost you a bunch of money. But if you get online, you can call them or you can see them, and it's free. It's just crazy to me. I mean, I, I, it's a scam, Fabian. That's what it is. It's a scam. Of course, it reminds me of the days when I, I was in Springfield going to the Queen City of the Ozarks. I would go out to the phone booth to call my parents, and I always had to know, can you imagine this? I wanted, what if every time you called your mom, you had to go to a phone booth, and, and even your dad. Of course, your dad might not do what I'm going to say is going to happen, but mom would always do it. And you'd get on the phone with an operator, and you'd say, I'd like to place a collect call to 214-835-1121. And, uh, and the operator would say, hold, please. And then somebody would ring, and I'd hear the phone ring, and they'd answer. And the operator would say, collect call from anyone, from Ronald. And my mom would say, will you accept the charges? And they'd say, yes. And so then you'd start talking. You remember those days. What a, what a thing. That ran, I, I didn't call very much because it cost too much money. But... Um, now you can just get online. So we've been, on, we've been in a lot of discussions, but there are so many things that God has put in motion for this new year already, things that are on the calendar, uh, amazing things. You know, I, we, I just agreed uh, 
few weeks ago for October as part, in, our, in Brazil as part of our seminar that we're doing there, um, this pastor's group of a hundred different churches is renting a convention center and inviting all of their people and all of the pastors to come on, on a Saturday to hear this message. Now, isn't that astounding? I don't know how many people that's going to be. I, I don't know, but those churches are hungry. And, um, and then, you know, West Virginia and Ohio, that m amazing thing that God has given us in June, which is going to impact this nation. But it's by, by the Lord. It's not me evangelistically saying it. It's going to impact this nation, and it's going to raise up intercessors in that vital area of our country. That, you know, when we were in school, we'd hear about revivals that had happened in the past, and, and if, if they're, they flared up and died down, the term you'd use is burnover territory. That's in religious circles. That's what you'd call where a revival was, and it's a burnover territory. And, um, but they're the wellsprings, the hestemis of the Lord, the deposits of his glory that are all there. Amazing moves of God, vital people who are icons now of the Pentecostal movement sprang up from that area. And God says, I'm not done there. Those, those things that I place there from the foundation of the world are there. And so God has opened that door and, and a number of other things, a number of other things. And those are just things we know about. So this year of wisdom is going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal thing. And um, I, I, I've been seeking the Lord about what we need to do in transitioning into this. And um, I was putting together a bunch of notes and a bunch of sermons from the last year and a half for this book that I've not written that now I know I need to write. And in fact, um, God led me to one of the, the, the sermons, and it was from Ezra, where Ezra was mobilizing to go in conjunction with Nehemiah in that second wave of people. And he stood there at the river and he said, God has given us a little space of grace. A little space of grace. And a nail in the holy place. And we're going to go and we're, gonna pro we're proclaiming a fast right now that God will lead us, that he will protect us. I'm not going to ask the foreign king for help. How would, and he says, basically, in my language, how ridiculous would that be? We're going to the temple of the God of the universe, and we're asking for protection from the, from the foreign king. I'm not going to ask for that. But that little space of grace, which I think is going to be the title of this book, because think about it. If you're going to write on grace, we've already done two books on grace. I mean, what, do you, what title is there? Amazing Grace? You know, you, you've got all those taken but this really speaks about it. God has given us, you think about it, he said a little space of grace. What was he going to do? He was going to see Jerusalem rebuilt. He was going to see the temple re, repopulated and, and functioning. And that's, that's nothing little. But in the economy of God, I guess God of the universe and eternity, that, that is that is a little thing, but it's a big thing. And we've been given that opportunity. So I believe that um, 
we need to be as individuals dedicating time that God would choose to fast every week. Now, I know we're at Christmas, I know we're at New Year's, but it probably would do you some good in times where you're not at family gatherings or parties to fast a day or two. So not to make it a carnal carnal motive, but um, we need to be fasting. We need to be fasting going into this year for what God wants to do, for how he wants to use you, and how he wants to provide for this space of grace from the holy place to, to, uh, to move in the way that he wants to move. And so uh, we will be doing some form of a fast leading into um, January 1st. Um, will, God will speak about that in a day or two. We've got to get past Christmas first. But really go before the Lord and ask him for, um, for direction as to how, how he wants you to be fasting because this is a crucial moment for what our, our assignment is from the Father. And it really is, it is, I don't want to sound pretentious, but this is, this is a momentous thing in the timetable of God. We're seeing the nations open in phenomenal ways. And you will see that. You will see that. Some of these people are going to start coming over here. In fact, we're hearing in March a number are already planning to come. But um, there's a hunger, and it's an, it's an amazing thing. But we need to prepare our hearts. We need to be ready. And remember what fasting is. It's not trying to convince God to do something he doesn't want to do. It's not some kind of a treasury of merit like the Catholics think. It's really an issue of ourselves bowing ourselves down, presenting our meekness before the Lord so that we can be those heirs throughout the earth. When Jesus speaks about the meek inheriting the earth, when we're fasting and it's working meekness, what it's really doing is is stirring up that capacity in each of us to be heirs and joint heirs in the nations. That's the key. You know, we don't normally see it that way, but when you look at it through the perspective, the lens of God's eye, it makes perfect sense. So we need to be ready before the Lord. And the benefit of it is God is going to exponentially bring you forward into, an, in, into a new thing. So let's be in prayer uh, individually about fast. We'll be proclaiming a, a network-wide fast uh, of some sort leading into the new year. And, um, but again, God's the one that's calling these fasts, and all he told me to do for this moment was to ask you to go before him individually. When he decides, see, see how anointed that was? And the light of the Lord has risen upon him. Um, Scott does that just to play with me. But anyway... Uh, be prayerful about that, but that's a directive from God. And um, we'll have prayer class tonight. It'll be a privilege to be here. Uh, we want to thank you all for praying for the, the, the ministry that went on in Belgium. Monica so graciously presented that testimony on Wednesday and spoke, and I thank you for doing that. I was laying in bed listening to that message. And... Um, I want to give you a testimony 
of something that happened to me because I don't think it's just for me. In fact, I know it's not just for me. I know it's, uh, it's something for this body and it's something for our network because it really is a miraculous depiction of what God's going to be doing and what he's prophesied he's going to do in the way of healing and in the way of, um, uh, of restoring people. And I've been your pastor now for a long time. <laughs> in fact, in May, it'll be four years since I first came and sat right where Dennis and Tammy are. Debbie and I sat right there on that Sunday morning. Forty years. Wow. But 33 years as pastor coming. So I'm just going to open my heart and talk to you about what happened with me. I'm not, I'm not going to be overly graphic, but I've got to tell you this so that you'll know what the testimony is. Um, we arrived back here in Dallas on, Sun, on Monday night, and then Tuesday was just a busy day of activity here at the church, lots of things going on, and ended up on a Tuesday evening meeting um, with Kelly and um, Katie and the twins, which is always interesting for dinner with them. And... Um, I think the girls just about rubbed all the hair off my face as they were just amazed to feel that. And so I was tired. I went home and went to bed. And Wednesdays, I've been, for the past few weeks, I've been fasting all day Wednesday from th Tuesday night till Thursday night. So I've already started doing what I'm asking you to do. So Wednesday morning, I got up and went and was brewing some tea and I went to the went to the restroom and as I stood up I peripherally noticed that there was something different going on and I looked and it was just blood lots of blood lots of blood not a trace lots and so that's always alarming you know I don't want you any of you to see that but those of you who might have it's it's alarming and so um, I prayed, and, and it, was, it was urinary bleeding, and it just kept on. It just kept on. So I got in touch with the urologist. I went over to see um, uh, a very dear man who was there. It's a, a well-known practice. And he just talked to me, and um, they checked for infection. There wasn't any infection, so he hypothesized about it, what it was. But throughout the day and throughout the night, it was just worse, and I was clotting, and there was really a lot of clots. And in fact, I, I told Debbie that in the course of two days, I lost 11 pounds. So there was something weird going on. So I called the helpline on Thursday morning, and uh, the doctor told me that I needed to come back into the practice or go to the emergency room. So I went to the doctor's office again, and I sat there, and basically, you know, the doctor said, well, there's really nothing we can do for you. And I was sitting there, and I was thinking, this sounds like the woman with the issue of blood <laughs> who went to see physicians, going get no better, but rather were getting worse. And, uh, and what they were telling me, they've had my records for like 20 years, so they knew what this was, so it wasn't any nefarious thing. In fact, 
the second guy I saw was the guy that went to high school with Chris Porter. So, so you know, I got Carrie's blessing on that. So anyway, I left that office, and I was perplexed, and I was praying. I'd been praying. I wasn't in fear. I was more frustrated because I was saying, Lord, well, there's just too much work to do, and this isn't right. This is keeping me from doing what you have asked us to do, your mission. And, and so I'm standing outside in the hallway of the doctor's office, and I'm just having, I'm just having a commune with the Father. And, um, and I said, Lord, I need you to lift this from me because there's too much work to do, and I can't be, I can't be saddled with this. I just can't. And so I went into the restroom because I'd been drinking a lot of water. Any of you have ever dealt with any urinary situations, you, they want you to drink water. And so there's always an abundance in there. And so I went into the men's room and uh, at Presbyterian Hospital, which is a very holy place. You know, there, there wasn't any, at least where you were at Chick-fil-A, they were playing Christian music. There wasn't anything going on in there. There was no, there was no choir of angels. There was... No sainted person to lay hands on me. There was none of that. And so I'll just tell you, I, I prayed and I said, Father, I'm just giving this to you. And I went to the, to the, men's, the men's toilet, as Allie calls it. And um, I'm just being as, I've got to be graphic about this because if I'm not, you're not going to get the full picture of this. Now, what I had been used to seeing for two days was blood. And it was clear as a bell. And I said, Lord, this is amazing. I thank you. And then, of course, you think, well, as you're walking to your car, okay, what's the next time going to be like? You know, that's what your mind thinks. And I was telling my mind, no, this is, this is an amazing thing. And uh, it's, it's done. And so I came here, and I went to the youth room boys' toilet. And same thing. And from that point, nothing. No bleeding, no clots, no nothing. And I mean, it went from horrible to nothing in that amount of time. And God did that. And every day I'm praising him. And every day I'm thanking him. And every day I'm saying, Lord, this is what you prophesied for this, this house and for this people and for the houses of the saints and for where we go. And um, I, I believe that, you know, I was, of course, you know me. I mean, I, I was thinking of funny things about this, you know, because I thought, well, how do I testify about this? Because it's, it's a private thing. But again, you know, if I don't tell you what's going on, people are, people are going to think I had a headache or something, you know? And not to, not to minimize anybody who has headaches. But this was a really weird thing. And I thought about the guy who, the lame guy who ran and leaped and praised God. And I said, well, I can't do that. <laughs> You'll see my face on the news. <laughs> Crazy man seen demonstrating healing throughout the halls of Presbyterian Hospital. <laughs> so I had to giggle over that. 
But anyway, God healed me. I mean, it was immediate, night and day. And I, I know that over this past season, we've had, this church has had a number of just ridiculous things that have been happening in your lives. Things that are just physical challenges, issues that come up that just are designed to hold you back. I know many of you have had these because you've told me and I've heard about them. We heard about one at Sunday school, Monica's wonderful teaching. Um, but I believe at the beginning of this, whatever this is, it's, well, it's almost time to quit. Um, we, uh, we need to pronounce this over you. And we need to pronounce this over our network. And we need to release the, the, the beginnings of miracles throughout the ministry that's, that's, that's coming in this new year. So I, I want you to, um, to stand and stand by somebody. You, know, you can touch their shoulder, take their hand, whatever you want to do, but be in agreement. You know, you want to receive this freely, you've received freely, give. Uh, but this is a, this is a, a, a declaration uh, well, of, I believe, a timetable of the Lord, something that he has initiated, and I'm very thankful for it, okay? Father, I thank you once again in this international broadcast for what you did in my life. I know it's real. It happened to me. And you, you did something that the medical community, the finest, the finest doctors in this area, in this city, could do nothing about. You did it in a moment's time. And I thank you for that. And I praise you for what you're going to continue to do in the lives of your people. I take authority over the oppositions that the enemy has been leveling against this congregation and the congregations of the saints and, and those that are, that are gathered across the nations. I take authority over it now and I, I command that every measure of, of enemy uh, involvement would be broken and that God would arise and that the enemy would be scattered. Lord, you said in your word that uh, when the enemy would come in one way against your people, if we would do what you've asked us to do, he would flee in seven. And so I speak, the enemy has come in, obviously. He, he has been doing lots of crazy things, lingering illnesses, irritating circumstances, challenge after challenge. Enough now. The work is much to do, and we must be free. So I command now that that season is over. And I declare now that sevenfold fleeing and the sevenfold blessing and the expansion in this year of wisdom, the expansion into the nations, the healings, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the, the glorious touch of people being free, people coming to know the Father, um, amazing resolutions of challenges. I speak over anyone in this room or anyone that's in the sound of my voice who has been struggling physically. I say no more. Now, in Jesus' name, be free. May congestion be driven away. May all kinds of issues that have been nagging and holding back be gone now. And may the strength of our Heavenly Father be in this house and in your people. For there is much work to do. 
There is much work to do for the kingdom, and we must be well as temples and tabernacles of the Lord. So, Father, I pronounce a new season of freedom, a new season of victory, and as Monica said earlier, a new season of peace, a season as Noah and the girls sang, a season of us walking with you and knowing you in the way you ordained from the foundation of the world. I speak life and health into you now. And Father, I thank you for this. We proclaim it. We proclaim it. We declare it. And dare we say we decree it. We speak it forth now in Jesus' name. And I thank you for it, Father. Be with your people and encourage them and strengthen them. We love you. And again, Father, I want to thank you for what you did for me. And I ask you, Father, that you would do wonders in the lives of this people because you love them. You love them. You love them. And Lord, we, we speak blessing over the continuation of this year and blessing as you direct us in preparation for the next year and blessing throughout the year because it's your work. <laughs> we are just your partners and we thank you for that. That's the greatest privilege of all. So we proclaim life, liberty, joy, restoration, supply, healing, uh, freedom in Jesus' name, and we speak it now because it is done. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All right, well, I wanna, I've got to share something from the Scripture, so we're not done yet. Hallelujah. So that's my testimony. Hallelujah. Okay, everybody turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke. 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 Luke chapter 2. No matter how I try to say Luke Benichon's first name, it always provokes much humor in Sylvie and Luke. I don't suppose I will ever be able to say Luke, Luke, like I should. I need some Belgian teachers to give me phonetics, I guess. I saw something here that just touched me. It's a very simple thing. And um, in Luke chapter 2, it, it talks about the time that, um, that Jesus was brought to the temple. And um, Scott may have those verses. Do you have those verses up there? Two turtle doves. You always hear that in the song, two turtle doves and a partridge. Why two turtle doves? Well, let's read Luke 2, 21 through 24. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem 
to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now this is kind of interesting because um, we have a mindset of how things happened in, um, in, the, in the timetable of the nativity. And our, our idea from the crashes and, and all the things that we see is kind of skewed. Because here's really what happened time-wise. Jesus was born in a manger in Bethlehem. And um, eight, by eight days later, he and his family had moved into a house there in Bethlehem because that's, we'll see that. And in eight days, he was circumcised there. And then after 40 days, Mary had to go and offer a purification offering, which was commanded in Leviticus chapter 12. And what was supposed to be offered was a lamb and a turtle dove. But if you were really poor, you just had to offer two turtle doves. And basically what they were, they were just baby, baby doves, and they called them turtle doves because they looked almost like a turtle that was coming out of its shell, you know. And so this tells us a number of things. First of all, Mary and Joseph didn't have any money because they were given the poor man's offering. But in the prophetic strand of it, um, God didn't want them offering a lamb because the lamb was there. This purification offering was for Mary. It wasn't for the baby Jesus. It really, And you can study this out. It had nothing to do with him being presented to the Lord. It was all about Mary, which kind of blows a hole in the Catholic scheme that says that Mary was born sinless. Because if, if that was really true, what in the world is she doing there with Jesus in her arms offering a purification sacrifice? That's, don't say that too loud of Bishop Lynch. But, you know, the point, <laughs> Noah would have brought it up in his theology class. But um, there they were offering these turtle doves. And um, they, were, they were presenting Mary, and the Lord was there. And I guess there was some other thing that they were going to do. I think that was initiated at the circumcision, but there was something else that they were going to do to just present him as the firstborn as being holy. Well, in that time frame, you had Anna and you had Simeon, who both came up, and you know that last Christmas we talked about the thread of grace that's all through this story because you had Zacharias who Gabriel came to him and talked about his supplication, uh, his deesis that was offered. And then we talked about Mary uh, with Gabriel coming and talking about three times the, the charis that was there you've favored. Even hail is that rejoicing of, of grace and you, are, you, are, you have the favor, the grace of the Lord. And then you had Anna who offered continually uh, those kinds of grace prayers is what the Bible says. And uh, so you have this thread of grace going all through it. And they came there after 40 days uh, before Herod put the heat on um, because the wise men hadn't arrived yet. Had the wise men arrived any baby that was coming out of Bethlehem to Jerusalem was going to be right then. 
because that's what Herod, that's what the scripture says he did. So when the wise men show up, they say that they have come to the house in Bethlehem. They weren't at the manger, and I think you all know that already. But they came there at, to the house, and we don't really know. It could have been any time from those 40 days to two years. We, we don't know that time frame, but we recognize that the wise men were warned of a dream to go back to their homes from a different route. Joseph was warned in a dream to take the young child and his mother and go into to Egypt. And you have that string of dreams there too. So the Christmas story to me has, uh, has prominently sprinkled with grace and undeniably sprinkled with dreams, which is purpose and partnering with God and going forth into the new. But the, the, thing that, the thing that amazes me is that just a few verses later, in verse 40 of Luke 2, it says that the child grew and he waxed strong in spirit. This is, this is derivative of kratos, which means that that spirit of Jesus, that spirit was being influenced mightily by the throne of God. That was the type of power that was influencing he waxed strong in spirit. So even as a child, he was communing with the Father. Even as a child, he was being impacted by the Father in that spirit which was ordained to accomplish the mighty work that Jesus did. And what, what else happened? He was filled with wisdom, which means that he was going to be directed by God. He was directed by God in very specific ways, and the grace of God was upon him. The grace of God was upon him. Now you think about what season we're in. We are partnering with our Heavenly Father in unique ways. He is opening up the corridors of his heart now and taking us into the deep places, into the secret places. And that is he is utilizing that deposit of his spirit that was put in us that gave us life. That, that resume, as it were, prophetic resume of what he wants to do through each of you. We're having that same experience in our lives. We are looking for the wisdom of God to direct us. And as was said on Wednesday night, we, God wants to show us where to go, where not to go, what to do, what to say. Specific things, and he's doing that. But that's going to be heightened. But the grace of God, we're still moving in that grace. Because the things that God has ordained to accomplish in this, in this season of the saints' ministries are, are end time, timetable types of things. And so to partner with the throne of grace in this coming time frame is an amazing thing. And it's just interesting to me to see that Jesus in, experienced that very same influence in a very powerful verse, verse 40, of this telling of his life. And it was not long after then that they went to Jerusalem, and of course it was a decade. We don't have any records of what happened then. You know, wouldn't you? God did what he wanted to do. So I'm not suggesting that there was anything further we need. But between then and 12, when he shows up and he's amazing the doctors of the law, 
we don't really know what happened. But um, when we get someday in heaven, we'll hear stories, I'm sure. But the point for us this morning is that God has, um, God has brought us to a point that is such a privileged place. Um, we are honored by him to be able to share in this one-of-a-kind calling. And I, I, really, I really wish you could see what we've tried to testify, the hunger for the table that you've labored to prepare with the Lord around the world is astounding. People just clamor to receive it. God has put that hunger there. And he is raising up his people because that's what his eternal calling is for them. But it's for the time of the end. And we have been given such an amazing opportunity to walk with him in that and to be his voice piece in so many ways. And I, I just give thanks to him. But you, you see here in the story of Jesus, I mean, when you read this, okay, in the years, all the years, we've read this before. We've read this hundreds of times. And we're blessed to have read it. The child grew, waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. That sounds great. But you've lived every one of those dimensions. God has honed you in those dimensions. He's taught you in the most infinitesimal parts of the study of his word to understand a broader, a broader conception of what each of these means. And you look at it now and you say, Jesus was growing but the power of the throne of God was influencing that deposit of the Spirit within him. Wisdom was guiding him. And grace was his partnership. That has significant meaning for each of us. You've been trained to understand what that means through an experience of walking in it with Jesus. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. And I know you are. But I, I know that God has, um, God in this new year is going to be increasing the visitations of the angelic with direct words beyond what we've received to this point. And they've been pretty astounding. Dreams are going to be growing in their magnitude and in their clarity. There's a gift of interpretation that God is going to be awakening in the same ways that he awakened diversities of tongues for us. He's going to take us into new dimension of diversities of tongues. But the gift of interpretation is going to be heightened through his spirit. And we're going to see amazing manifestations of things that we saw in the lives of Isaiah, Samuel, Moses, because God is no respecter of persons. And what he's done there is a, is a type for us. Because it's God's timing. You can't force this to happen. See, 
So many people teach on these things and they try to say, because you're hearing this teaching, now it's going to happen in you. I'm sorry. So many of these things are partnership privileges. And I don't mean to sound pretentious. That's not what I mean. But what I mean by this is you really won't access these until you're walking with God and have a need for them. Does that make sense? It's kind of like an insurance policy. Bad illustration. Bad illustration. But you can pay on it. You can pay on it and pay on it. But you aren't going to access it until you need it. I pray none of you need it. But dreams and angelic visitations and and uh, measures of understanding don't just come for your amusement or so that we can say, oh, this is what God meant. It's part of the program of partnership. And you don't get it until you need it. But you don't need it until you're walking with him and he opens the door. Does that make sense? So the reason I can say all of these things are going to be happening is because all of us have our hand in the hand of the Heavenly Father, and He has ordained what He's going to do in this new year. And if you have any doubt about what that is, just look back over this past year. We've been walking a pathway of miracles. And what's coming is ordained by God, and we just need to keep seeking Him. This is part of what this fast is for, that we're asking for all of us to consider. It's not to convince God to do the things that are in His timetable. It's so that we will be ready to serve him, that we will be purging iniquity. It's like what Jesus, when he came down off the mountain with, with the big three, and there was a little boy that was throwing himself and rolling around a fire, you know, and everybody's weeping, and oh, poor little boy, and the dad's crying. What a sad scene. And the disciples say, why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief, you're not where you should be at the right hand of the throne, and your iniquities have kept you from this. This kind comes out but by fasting and by prosuke. You come before God, and then you make that meekness become bare before him. And he, in his own inequivocal way, changes you into what he has in store for you for the next season. He takes things away. He embellishes things. He awakens things. And then he begins to speak to you in a clarity that you couldn't have heard before that time. So that's what Jesus said. You've not been before the throne. Your iniquities are still there. This kind is only resolved through prayer and fasting. Through that fasting that hones your spirit before God and that allows you to hear that supplication kind of revelation that you can apply. Does that make sense? So when we talk about fasting, it's an offering to God. But it's also a preparation for what God says is coming. So I proclaim this over all of you. And um, I, I knew we were going to have uh, a lot of things going on this morning. So I didn't produce some 10-page sermon this is it and it's time to quit but i speak blessing over you walk in the freedom that god has given you if the enemy comes to you and says well you know a lot of good that did when they prayed for you today you just rebuke him you know how many times over the past few days the enemy's been saying to me you weren't really healed you weren't really free 
And, you know, then it strikes at fear. Walk in that perfect love that God has given you. Walk in that. And rebuke him and give thanks and praise the Lord. He's doing a work. And it's his, it's his work. So walk in it. Amen? All right. Heavenly Father, this is an unusual service. But I thank you for the place you've brought us to. I thank you for this precious season. And I do again, as we close this service, speak blessing over everyone in this house and every, everyone across the miles who are joining with us. Thank you for this, Father. We love you. We praise you. And we, we thank you for this privilege. For we ask it all in the one who made it all possible. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.